Welcome to Newspoint 360, the online news platform dedicated to making space for credible expert commentary. To see full video interviews with our guests, check out our new channel on YouTube. Newspoint 360 is supported by Expert File. They used to be a favorite pastime, but it's strange to even imagine being back in a crowded, sweaty concert venue with a band singing moistly into a microphone or even directly into the crowd. That's how much the music industry has changed since the global pandemic began. Musicians, their managers, and everyone else adjacent to the touring industry, bars, restaurants, hotels, scalpers, and so on, have seen their professions turned upside down. So how are they adapting? And how can we still support our favorite acts? Newspoint 360 speaks to music publicist and commentator Eric Alper about how the pandemic sent the music industry spinning. The coronavirus has hit the music industry particularly hard. Globally, it's an industry worth over $50 billion, with live music making up over half of total revenues. But the virus is also cutting into the growth of digital streaming and physical album sales. Eric Alper is a Canadian music correspondent, blogger, radio host, six-time nominee for Publicist of the Year and a 16-time Juno Award winner overseeing PR campaigns. He's worked with some of the biggest artists of our time, Eric, thanks so much for taking some time for News Point 360 today. Oh, where else am I going to go? It's great <laughs> talking to you. It's awesome. I'm happy to be here. You know, the music industry was doing terrific heading into 2020. Even the album sales were up. But did it all just grind to a halt when social distancing measures were put in place? Yeah, pretty much. You know, there's a, there's a number of studies that have come out in the last number of weeks that say that over 75% of venues across North America will close permanently if they're not allowed to reopen with, I guess, normal standards pre-coronavirus in October. That's definitely not going to happen. So, you know, there's going to be a very much um, a, a shift in the music industry that nobody has ever seen before. And usually when people talk about the coronavirus, they usually say those words. We've never seen this before. Well, the music industry certainly is no different, partly because they were the first ones to get shut down and they're going to be the last ones to reopen. Even if you're an artist that plays to 100 people or 150 people and you, maybe you use music shows for the weekend as a supplementary income, you're still only going to be allowed to play those venues that hold 15 people or 20 people. And that's certainly not enough for anybody to survive on. Well, it's a huge impact, as you say, on the industry and in artists as well. But there's also a trickle down effect from the production crews right down to the grips. Yeah, you know, there's been a number of, of, of big, big artists, um, mostly coming from the country world, unsurprisingly, um, that have paid all of their staff on a weekly basis as if they're still touring um, because they know that a lot of them don't have health insurance. A lot of them aren't going to be able to survive with their families with whatever surplus funds that are coming in from the U.S. government or the Canadian government in general. But this is their livelihood. This is exactly you know, the, the one of the very few things that they've done um, over the last number of decades. But certainly we've seen the rise in music streaming services like Spotify and Tidal um, because having, you know, six billion people at home um, all looking for entertainment, we've seen the rise of music streaming services, of Netflix, of other television and movie um, streaming services. But, you know, those aren't going to be paying the rent for 
over 90% of the artists that are out there that that do rely on the live show aspect. And there's so many other avenues and aspects to the music industry that's not just the artists or their tour managers. There's all of the hotels and all of the restaurants and the bars and the alcohol companies and the food companies and the stores, all the all those secondary businesses that thrive whenever there's a big or a small show happening. And we know that they're feeling the pain as well. Well, you talk about the ripple effect. You know, when you stop and you think about it, those up-and-comers who were struggling to make it are likely in a much better position because they're likely the ones with part-time jobs. But for the big acts, that won't be the case. Yeah, it's also that for some of the big acts that, look, I don't think anybody is really crying over, you know, Paul McCartney or Elton John, you know, but artists like that who still love to play, it's got to be hurting them emotionally and mentally, not going out there at eight o'clock every night like they've done for the last 50 or 60 years. But for independent artists, they become a, a lot more craftier. They know that their audience is online. They know that for the most part, their audience is at home. So they're making more videos. They're making lyric videos and official videos and live videos and um, acapella versions of their song. They're just, they have to stay creative throughout all of this um, and kind of do what they can when it comes to creating music. But certainly those independent artists that were barely making minimum wage on their music anyway are, are hurting a lot and you know, will probably be hurting um, at least for another year. I, I, I just don't see how in North America there's going to be live shows until at least summer 2021 and maybe some of the bigger shows in 2022. There's no way that you can have 15,000 people in an inside venue anymore. Well, as you say, musicians are pivoting to try and recoup some of those losses. Is it working? Yes and no. You know, there there's certainly more songs that are being released and than ever before. In fact, pre-COVID, Spotify was uploading 22,000 songs a day and about 50,000 songs on New Music Friday. Now it's about 45,000 songs a day and over 120,000 new songs on Friday. So there's a lot more people that are releasing music, um, certainly maybe not a lot more um, interest in terms of new new members or new um new sponsorship deals that are happening. So I, I, I think for the most part, there's still that top tier of the one to 5% that is still doing fine. Certainly artists like The Weeknd, um, Drake, Ariana Grande, they'll be fine no matter what kind of hits them. But even them, they were making a lot of their money on the road too. And when you're signed to a giant label like a Universal Music or Sony or Warner Music, there's a lot of people that work in those companies that, you know, you can't just suddenly say on a Friday, well, I'm just going to release an album tomorrow. They can't pivot as fast as say an indie artist with 500 fans and nobody truly cares about what you're putting out. So those indie artists just have to keep the momentum going however they can. And certainly with the sheer amount of posts that have been um, published on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, those have gone through the roof minute by minute since the coronavirus hit. So the creativity is still there. The audience is still there. Now the playing field just got that much deeper and that much harder to strike out on your own, trying to find that audience attention. I mean, streaming platforms are in business too. Can they continue to grow their revenues and enable special features for the music industry at the same time? 
Well, you know, during the coronavirus and COVID, they don't really have to because they rely so much of their income based on either advertisements um, that are played, you know, in between the songs if you're if you don't have a subscription and the subscription revenue model, um, which seems to work a lot with Tidal or Spotify, not so much on YouTube, but certainly, you know, the 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 sheer lack of advertisements that are happening um, from the corporate world while, you know, A, they're not making that much money as opposed to seven months ago, but B, unless you have a really strong online presence, you're really not selling that much to begin with. And who are you selling to? Most of you know the general population isn't making much money right now. So even if you even if the advertising revenue does stay the same, which it's not, but even if it did, there's no way that people are spending money in the same way that they are when they're just barely trying to keep their head above water with the with the you know supplement checks that are coming in from whatever respective country you're in. So all of that affects the spending power not only of the customer, but how these advertisers are actually spending money and whatever platform they choose to spend the money on, that's where you end up with companies like Spotify trying to survive in that. But they're doing fine. You know, um, certainly, you know, there's there's not uh, a drop when it comes to to, you know, visual or audio streaming services. And in fact, they're actually going up and up and up every single month while people are still at home for the most part. Well, you alluded to this a bit earlier, but what does the future look like for musicians and for audiences as well? I mean, is it going to change forever? We're seeing some drive-in type concerts right now, which is kind of a very interesting pivot. Yeah, the the uh, driving concert is certainly interesting, um, but you know it, it's not going to save the music industry. Let's put it that way, especially in areas where you know winter's coming, and I'm not sure how many people actually want to sit in their cars for three and a half hours keeping the motor running. But it is definitely a stopgap, and it is a real good creative idea. I think you know while we've seen the rise of COVID cases is in Canada specifically. Um, if we're all called back in, we might be back at square one all over again with no live shows. So I think it's definitely going to hurt those touring artists um, like never before, especially when, you know, you kind of give them a little bit of a taste of touring action or the ability to play at a small neighborhood club for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden that club has to close down because of COVID. Um, so we've seen, you know, the drive-in theaters. We've certainly seen a lot more artists announce that they've written suddenly their autobiography. So they're pivoting and diverting into more of a revenue stream. We've seen a lot of um, theaters and uh, like movie theaters start to have live concerts from anywhere around the world that's that's based in their studio. Metallica did one a number of weeks ago. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden Cineplex starts calling up all of these film companies saying, what do you have in your vaults from 1972? What concerts do you have that nobody's ever seen before? Um, just to kind of make people feel that that absolute awesome memory of seeing that concert. So we might see some live concerts or tape live concerts happen in movie theaters a lot, but I think it's going to just be more creation of slower, doom, gloomier songs. I can't tell you how many songs in the last couple of weeks I've had that's that, you know, the artist told me, you know, we created this during COVID and I'm like, oh great, here's another dance pop song. Cause it's not. Songs have been proven to have gotten slower by a couple of beats per minute every single month 
Certainly nobody's singing about, you know, going to the dance floor as much as Lady Gaga or Madonna or Katy Perry have released superb album. I'm not so sure that people want to hear upbeat music right now. I mean, it's still creating and it's still out there, but certainly, you know, music has to reflect the times. That's where you make your mark. That's how you build the connection to your fan base. That's what we saw during the Me Too movement of a whole slew of awesome female artists start to create songs about their own messages and their own memories of, of, of being, you know, sexually harassed or sexually assaulted in the past. And I'm sure that COVID and these times are, are going to be reflecting in the music that's going to be created and the music that we're all going to get to hear in a number of weeks or months. Well, there's nothing that can match the vibe of a live concert. I've got to ask Eric, what was the last live concert you saw? <laughs> Oh, uh, probably back in 1973. Um, no, it was, uh, I saw the Chainsmokers with my daughter, Hannah. Um, it was amazing. It was awesome. Um, definitely one of my top five shows I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I tend not to go out to these live shows anymore. Um, and, you know, it, it pains for me to say it, but I've got artists that have made you know they they've got shows happening with 15 or 20 people with social distancing they have plexiglass in front of the, the stage all of the servers and the bartenders are wearing masks there's no way i'm going out and it kills me to say that i love this industry i post about music all day and all night long but at least the the ability to choose if I'm going to go has been taken away. But certainly, there's no there's no way I'm risking my life and my family's life and and the bubble um, that I have over a show. And I have a feeling that a lot of people are in the same position and the same mm -hmm. thinking process as I am. Well, then, how can we best support our favorite musicians through this crazy time? I think a lot of them have started to do fundraising campaigns. A lot of them have. Um, gone to sites like Patreon where where fans can pay a couple of dollars a month in order to not only have access to music, but have access to the artists, whether it's songs before they're actually released to the general public. They get sneak previews of album titles. They get sneak previews of album art, or they get to do question and answer period. I would say that if you love an artist, now's the time to go to their website and support them by buying their merchandise, buying their, their albums, even if you might have it on a, on your playlist on a streaming service. Now might be the, the good time to like maybe buy a record player and start to buy the vinyl or the CD. Every dollar really, truly helps them. And I think that, you know, there, there's, um, um, there's certainly a lot of artists, both big and small, um, that aren't generating any income right now. And I know people are rolling their eyes going, you know, oh, you know, they made a choice to do this. But uh, you know, music has been there for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, music helps us remember and music helps us forget. And music is a healing tool. And if that artist isn't there for you in the you know, next year, you, you're probably going to be really sad and maybe think about, well, you know, maybe I, I, I could have done something to kind of help them put food on the table as well. Well, you're absolutely right. We need to remember that, well, we've had the music of our favorite artists helping take us through this time. They need our support probably now more than ever. Eric Albert, thank you so much for taking some time for News Point 360 today. No problem. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much for this, for creating this, and thanks so much for having me. 
You've been listening to News Point 360, supported by Expert File, the world's largest open curated network of experts on over 40,000 subjects used by leading news organizations. Don't forget to review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. To see full video interviews with our guests, check out the News Point 360 channel on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.